This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KLW News Radio's Greg Wallandini with Mike Cervetio from the Philly Soccer Page. ESPN's Jeff Carlisle is our guest. We talk some U.S. national team with him. Then we discuss the union's off-season plan. So we're here to talk some uh, U.S. national team with you, Jeff. And finally, after a long time, much so longer, long. than, much longer than anybody, I think, is comfortable with. But finally, and the you know the worst kept secret in American sports, Greg Berhalter is now our uh, U.S. men's national team head coach manager. Um, so, just real quick, what are your your impressions so far in the hire? Well, I, I think it's a safe hire. Um, now, now, safe can, can mean different things to, to different people. I mean, if you were thinking safe in terms of resume, you know, maybe you go for Tata Martino. But I, I think it's, in this instance, it's, it's safe for the USSF. I, I think um, Greg Berhalter is, is a known quantity to them. Um, you know, they've been able to watch his work you know, relatively up close. Um, I, I think there are some legitimate concerns about the process and just how thorough it was. Um, I mean, anybody can come up with a short list of, of 33 names. Um, you know, just how, how in-depth were the conversations, uh, you know, with, with, say, the 11 candidates who made the initial cut or even, you know, the five or so that Ernie Stewart alluded to during his press conference. Um, you know, at this point, we've, we've really only been able to confirm that um, Oscar Perea and, and Greg Berhalter were the two finalists. So, um, having said all that, uh, you know, I do think Greg Berhalter is qualified. Um, and yes, that the presence of his brother in the, in the USSF hierarchy leads to some skepticism, but, uh, you know, I think he, in his time in Columbus, he, he did quite a bit with, with a modest budget and modest resources. Um, and he's played a style that, that's easy on the eyes. Now, of course, there are going to be questions about how easily he's going to be able to move that style into the U.S. national team, you know, given the limitations of the player pool. But, um, you, know, I, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, this, this, could, this could go any number of ways. Um, and, and we'll just have to see not only uh, how effective he is in implementing his style, but you know, also the the willingness of the players to to buy into it. I mean, there there, there are a lot of unknowns as as we head into this, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a heck of a ride, I think, no matter what happens. It's it's been such a long time waiting for this hire to happen. Um, we obviously have experience with Ernie Stewart from from working with Philadelphia Union for a while. What what sense do you get out of? how well he did with this because it, it, it doesn't seem like this was the, the home run that I think a lot of people were hoping for when he was hired. Yeah. I mean, and I think home run can get, a, can get applied with, you know, in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, there, there's his actual final choice, but then, you know, there's also the way he went about it. Um, you know, having watched him work, um, albeit, you know, from afar, um, he, he does seem like, a thorough guy who, who makes you know fairly decent decisions. I mean, uh, granted, you can, per, you know, certainly Philadelphia Union fans can quibble about some of his uh, personnel decisions, and and, and they and they in. will. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, um, you know, I think you know, it was a Jay Simpson was probably uh, mm. front and center in that regard. But um, you know, he when he took over, you had a sense that that here was a guy 
with the right resume, uh, not only with Philadelphia, but overseas, you know, in Holland, um, he'd had some success and this was a guy who made smart decisions. And so, uh, because of that, there, there's an impulse to give him the benefit of the doubt. But then when you realize that he, he didn't talk to Tata Martino, uh, he didn't talk to Peter Vermes, he didn't talk to Jesse Marsh or Tab Ramos, um, even just to, to get, you know, a breadth of ideas about what the job entails. You know, I, w- I was talking to a colleague who said that Mexico was talking to Marcelo Bielsa and it was only then that, that he got, you know, they got pointed in the direction of Tata Martino. So I think you, you go through this process, you know, with an open mind and, and you kind of don't know where it's going to lead. But I think from the very beginning, a lot of us in the soccer media, a lot of us in the soccer community felt, okay, we, we know exactly where this is going to lead. This is going to end with Greg Berhalter getting hired. And so for that reason, there are a lot of questions about, you know, again, how, how Ernie Stewart went about this. Um, you hope that in time, some more details leak out. Uh, you know, who was this mystery third candidate who moved on to another job, who, who was a finalist? Um, I, I'm not sure if it was Juan Carlos Osorio. I, I know that Juan Carlos Osorio, uh, at least I'm told, he, he was one of the 11. Um, I'm not sure if he was one of the five, because uh, it, it just seems like, you know, it, the timing of it was was such that, you know, that, that decision was made pretty pretty soon after Stewart got hired. So um, you hope that some of those details begin to, to leak out and maybe that will shed a better light on, on the process that Stewart went through. But it, I, you look at this, you know, these last 13, 14 months, and it's done little to shake the perception that, the USSF is a very insular organization inclined to, you can't really say hire from within, but again, like I said before, hire known quantities. And um, I think a lot of people are starving for some evidence to the contrary. Yeah, and it, it just felt like the length of the process was not even so much the nuts and bolts of it, but the, the length of time. And you throw in other factors where, you know, there's changes in leadership with U.S. soccer, you know, higher above the head coach and stuff like that. But, you know, how how does that affect the, the program? I mean, where you spent over a year without a head coach with a guy, you know, Dave Sarenkin, who's, who's a fine guy, but, you know, from day one, everybody knew was not going to get the job. What What does that do to a program? Well, I, I think there's there's an impulse amongst a lot of people to say that it was a wasted year. I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I think Sarakin did some valuable work in in giving some young players international experience. You know, just exposing them to to a higher level of soccer, a higher level of competition. Um, but I think that was a process that that had a ceiling, and I, I think that ceiling was met you know, perhaps as early as, as um, the France game, you know, right before the World Cup. Um, you know, I think after that, there, there was a pretty good sense of, of what some of these young players were capable of. And after that, I think it, 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 the amount of usefulness and, and the amount of upside, you know, I, I think that was exhausted. So I, I think some time was lost. 
Um, again, I'm not going to go so far as to say the, the whole, you know, 13, 14 months was lost. I, again, I think, you know, it was a thankless job that Dave Sarakin took on and, and he, he did it, you know, to the best of his ability. And, and, and I think it, it will, there will be some payoff down the road, but, um, I, I, for one, don't understand why it took, you know, four months for, for Ernie Stewart to, to come to a decision that, again, that everyone thought was, was going to be the decision from the very beginning. Let's, let's talk a little bit about going forward. I, I think that's one of the things that I'm really interested in because I've kind of treated the, the national team as, as something that's happening in, in soccer right now that I'm not especially interested in until the, the hiring of, of Berhalter got sorted out. So now that that's sorted out, where do you think that they go from there in terms of like building bridges back to the fans, I think, is, is, is what I'm really interested in right now. You know, I, I think the only way to do that is, is through results. Um, and it always helps. And, mm. and doing that, I, I think it's there's there's some there's more components to it than that also. But um, I think it's results, and I think it's doing it with a style that at least gives fans a little bit of hope, um, because really there hasn't been a whole lot of hope around the program. Um, certainly when you see a guy like Tyler Adams play and you see guys like Wes McKinney get some playing time and Josh Sargent, you know, there's a little bit of it, but it's, you know, it's, it's not sustainable, you know, doing it in the way that they've done it, where it's just friendly after friendly after friendly. And so, uh, you know, granted, that's what we're going to be fed for the next six months until the gold cup. But, um, you know, it, it's you know. I think the way to build bridges back to the fans is, is again just moving the program forward in a way that doesn't give spectators the same old, same old. I, and I think that's going to be really difficult. I think the player pool is what it is. I mean, I think one thing that's been kind of alarming about watching these friendlies, especially in the back half of the year, is that it looks like the U.S. system is producing the same kind of player that it's always produced, you know, hardworking, uh, athletic, uh, but not particularly technical. Um, the good news is that some of these guys you would expect to get better as they get older. And, and a guy like Tyler Adams, now that he's going to the Bundesliga, I think is um, you would expect him to get better and, and sharper and, and, and begin to, to show some things at a higher level. But um, Again, it's you build bridges through hope, and it, it's going to have to come with, with something that fans are going to say, that is a team I can identify with, that is a team I want to watch. And um, in that regard, I think Greg Berhalter's got a, a huge mountain to climb. So let's, let's talk about that mountain a little bit. You alluded to it a bit there, but I mean, what's, what's the top of his agenda? Is it going through the player pool and identifying guys? Is it identifying style of play or formation what you know when he he's you know day one he sits down in, in his office and he's you know he's got the whiteboard in front of him he's got to kind of line guys up and start doing all that i mean what, what do you think's the highest uh uh thing on his agenda right now well i think the highest thing on his agenda right this second is to to start going to guys in europe who are part of the player pool and, and start building those relationships. Um, you know, I think a big part of coaching is building relationships with your players and building trust. And so, 
you know, I, I think that means going to the to the Christian Pulisics and and the Weston McKinney's of the, of the world and, and and beginning to I don't want to say sell his ideas, but it, it's, it's going to take some convincing. Um, you know, just watching Pulisic's body language, you know, you, you can sense some frustration with with the with the direction that the program is going in. So I think he especially is going to be a critical guy to win over. And so, uh, you know, I, I think obviously they will have the January camp and that's going to begin to lay the foundation for, for a style of play. So I think that's going to be critical as well. But again, it, it's, it's going to be about, you know, building those relationships with, with the key players, you know, that the spine of the team that, that's going forward, you know, whether that's a Matt Miazga or a Zach Steffen or a John Brooks, I mean, just go right up the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll see the extent to which he's going to bring back veterans. Um, you know, I can, I can see a Josie Altador, you know, coming back just given kind of the, the, the scarcity of forwards that exists in the pool right now. Um, Michael Bradley. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Uh, that, that's going to be fascinating to watch. So, uh, you know, I would say all of those things are, are really, uh, going to be front and center in terms of his day-to-day and um yeah it, 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 and i think that's important to get that started as quickly as possible that was going to be my follow-up where do the uh, veterans uh exist in this and and i think a lot of these guys may have seen their day with the u.s national team i, I just this, i think you touched on it there just the, just the realities of who you have at forward josie's probably going to get get called in but Beyond that, I think in the defense, I think you're starting to see the the youth kind of take over in the in, in the midfield and kind of wide spots as well. Yeah, I mean, I think like like you know we've said you know Josie, I think certainly has a future. Um, that might drive people crazy, but I, I still think he's got a skill set and and more importantly an experience um, to that he can he can share with these guys. Um, you know, we'll see to the extent. You know whether Michael Bradley is willing to to take on a lesser role, and, mm-hmm. and how that how those interpersonal dynamics kind of ripple throughout the team. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been used to being front and center. You know, he he says all the right things and says, you know, hey, I want to be. Uh, you know, whenever I get called up, I'm, I'm happy to come. Uh, but th- you know, part of what Burhalter is also going to have to do is develop leaders. There's a little bit of a leadership vacuum, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the team right now, just be, because there's this, this gap between the young up and coming guys and the veterans. I mean, I, I still think that the U.S. national team is feeling the effects of of kind of that lost generation. You know, the the Breck Shays, you know, the the Juan Agudelos, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys who big things were expected of and, and didn't quite deliver. And um, so I, I think you know that is that is you know that impact is still being felt. And and, and that's another thing that I think. Berhalter is going to have to manage, um, but yeah, it's it's going to be, it's going to take every ounce of his man management skills to, to uh, to make that work. So um, yeah, I mean everyone thinks of, of style and, and what happens on the field, but I think what happens off the field is going to be just as critical to his success. Uh, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. So there's a, there's a big there's a big soccer game happening on Saturday in our country. Um, I'm sure you're excited for it. Where I know Greg and I are excited for it. What what do you anticipate from uh, MLS Cup final with Portland Atlanta? I mean it's it, it's hard to bet against Atlanta just given all of the advantages that they have heading into this. Um, 
you know, they're going to have a huge crowd behind them. They're relatively healthy. It, it looks like Michael Parkhurst has, has shaken off that ankle injury that he sustained in the in the second leg of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, they've Atlanta is super confident right now. They've shown a pragmatism in the playoffs that that maybe they didn't have a year ago. And excuse me. Um, so I, I think. You know, they have a lot going for them, but I think there's some built-in extra pressure as well. I mean, obviously, Tata Martino is leaving. Miguel Almiron is expected to leave. So, I mean, you wonder if, if this team's championship window isn't closing. Um, so, there's a, there's very much a, a sense of, hey, even more so than normal. I mean, whenever you get to a, a, a cup final, there's an urgency to say, hey, we we got to take this opportunity while we have it. But um, You should you tell know, that to the, the Philadelphia the, Union. <laughs> What's that? You yeah. should tell that to the Philadelphia yeah. Union. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <I> was, <laughs> Sorry, we're still a little sore here. <laughs> yeah, tortured history and cup finals. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's there's very much a sense that this group is not going to be together again. And, and who knows what the salary cap is going to do to Atlanta's roster next mm-hmm. year as they, they try to, you know, mix and match and, and, and put the puzzle pieces together. So, uh, but, I mean, I would have said, I mean, I remember before the Western Conference final thinking, hey, this is Kansas City's to lose. And, and and it wasn't so much that Kansas City lost it, but, I mean, Portland went out and won it. And, and they were utterly ruthless with the chances that they had. Um, they have been absolutely magnificent in the playoffs. I think Diego Chara is just an unbelievable force in the midfield and by himself can do a lot to disrupt, you know, the opposition attack. So, you can't rule them out. And, uh, you know, I think Jeff Lorenowitz said it perfectly today. He said, he, you know, he, he's been in his share of MLS Cup finals. And, you know, he says, I've never stepped on the field where there was a big gap between the teams. And so even though on paper it, it might look like that, um, you know, you've got to say that, that Portland has got enough weapons and enough ability to, to walk out of their winners. And, um, but again, I – if I had to put money on it, I, I still would put my money on Atlanta United. Yeah, it just—I mean, they're they're stacked, and that place is just uh, a, just a cauldron down there. I can't wait to hear it's it. Just a pit, and you know, it, it's—I'm kind of with you. I, I don't—I don't see how you can go against Atlanta, but you know, that's that's why they play them. Yeah, they play the games. Exactly, uh, Jeff. Always a pleasure having you on. We love your insight into MLS and the national team and all that. Please tell our listeners where they can uh, follow you on, on social media, where they can read your stuff. Yeah, on Twitter, you can follow me at Jeffrey Carlisle. And that's Jeffrey with an R-E-Y on the end. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just, just go to, to ESPN.com slash soccer and uh, you'll see my stuff. If you, you can you know stick Jeff Carlisle in the search bar and, and find my work that way as well. So uh, I think those are, are your two best bets. All right. Great to have you as always, and, uh, and have, have fun uh, with, with the uh, final. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Uh, the, the great good friend of the show. We've had one, had one almost about a half dozen times now. Yeah. Jeff Carlisle, um, <laughs> who always just, you know, just serves it up great and really just calls it the way he sees it. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene. Every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Orlandini.
What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They, they don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, we'll stick with the national team for a bit now. Uh, we got some union stuff to talk about, but you know, just kind of seeing, uh, we we've seen Ernie Stewart up close, and just kind of seeing how he does things writ large now with the national team. It, it and it, it shouldn't have taken better more more than a year to find a coach. No, it shouldn't have. There, there's there's not a single major federation in world soccer that would have taken this long. Not England, not Italy, not Mexico, not France, you know, not, not Germany, you know, just go go, not Brazil, not Argentina, go down the list. Not any of the major federations that are taken seriously in this game would have taken 14 months to find a manager. No, I mean, I, I thought that maybe they were waiting for the world cup to be over because they were looking at a current, World Cup coach, mm-hmm. but that was obviously not the case. Um, we're not, we're still not exactly sure who exactly was looked at in the process, right. because as Jeff said, the, the the process has not been completely revealed to and, even the, the guys covering the team, which will come to no shock to anyone that covered the Philadelphia and, Union when Ernie Stewart I was mean, here. He played it close to the vest, and he's and, and if Je- and if Jeff is hoping for leaks in the future, <laughs> I wish him all the luck for that because there's there's probably not going to be some. Um, but no, it took way too long, and and that, that's that's really why I asked the question of you know how you start building that bridge back mm-hmm. to the fans because even as guys like that are hyper aware like we are, we're, we were kind of nonplussed with the national team for the last but, but, eight months because they play these games and Dave Sarkin's there and he puts his teams out and he picks these players and you're like, what's this all mean in in the long run? What does this all ultimately mean? And, and yeah, you got guys caps and you got guys experience and. That's fine, but beyond that, you're not building. You're not, you know, these guys are out there, and and you saw it in a lot of games that they weren't. And I don't know who who, who I put the blame on. Do I put on the players or do I put on the coach? But it, it, they just looked aimless. They looked not connected to what was going on. And I, but it's hard for that stuff not to filter down because they knew. Yeah, you know, Dave's a nice guy and all, but he's not going to be the guy running this. And if I play well for him, that might not mean anything. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and I think it was particularly apparent with the the offensive side of things. That, yeah. That that they just couldn't get sorted. Like they they didn't have a a, a strong plan. There wasn't a ton of obvious chemistry. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to be a huge thing that Greg Berhalter is going to have to to look into. And I, I and I think. I, I take things a little more to extreme than I think Jeff was talking about with the veterans I, and just the realities of life. Yeah. Josie's probably going to get called in, but I, I don't see a world here for, for Michael Bradley anymore. No. I don't, I don't. And he's a guy, you know, I, I've rated highly for a long time, but I, I think, I think his day has come and gone with the national team. And there's probably other guys you could, you know, just give me a list. I could probably tell you the same thing. And, and, you know, I, I point to what England did. They made that break yeah. in the World Cup. And, and Gareth Southgate, who played with a lot of those guys, you know, and, and came up with some of the more veteran guys, made that decision and made that break. It's like, I'm going to pick guys. Some of these guys you might not know all that well. You know, I'm going to take some chances on some other guys. 
but we have to move this forward. Yeah. And that's what I feel like national team has to do. And, and, and I've heard pundits, you know, some of, some of the guys like, you know, that, that I generally like, like the guys that uh, on satellite radio and some of the stations I listen to talking about, well, you got to bring these guys because they got to show them what it's like to play a tough game in Honduras. And it's like, no, but, but you're talking about guys like now Chris, Christian Pulisic, who's played in the champions league. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to tell him much that much anymore. He, no. he just, you know, you, and, and guys like that, that you, you're getting national team guys that are getting into the champ onto rosters to pretty good sized clubs, getting into the champions league. Pulisic could very well end up in the premier league sooner rather than later with, I think uh, Liverpool interested, Chelsea interested. So you don't need that kind of these guys kind of strolling around. Back in my day, we did it like well, this. You know, especially because you know, a year ago, back in th- those guys' day, they played like crap in TNT. Absolutely. If you need a recipe on how to lose at TNT, we're, we're, we are talking about the group of guys that why we're you know yeah. here talking about this now. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's tough, and and in a vacuum, I think the Greg. For Halter move is probably a good hire. I mean, he's not a typical, you know, when you're talking about American coach, he's a guy that's played overseas. He's a guy that's coached overseas. He's a guy that has had success and hasn't, you know, ha- doesn't have software with, with the crew, but was able to, you know, get by on, on less and having a good, you know, a good looking team and, did it in the last year and a half under some really extenuating circumstances with, well, is this team going to be here in a year or not? And, you know, dealing with that question was able to keep his guys focused and on track and play very well through the season and, and all that. So I, I, I think it's, it's a good hire. And I think he's probably a guy that, you know, the young guys can relate to because, you know, they, they know him from playing and coaching and things like that. And, and I think he's a guy that kind of commands respect, but, did it take fourteen months to figure out that you wanted to hire Greg Berhalter? I I can't imagine that it did. Yeah, I mean, I I have to believe that Ernie Stewart had his short list in his head even even before he was appointed. Yeah, and so the, there's to me there is there yeah. is there is no reason. And for that. and yeah, and the elephant in the room, and and we and Jeff mentioned it is Jay Berhalter, who's a yeah. board board member and. You know, he recused himself from the process, and that's fine, and I'm sure he yeah, did. But he but... didn't recuse himself from hiring Ernie Stewart. Right. So he obviously had to know who Ernie Stewart or whoever the, the sporting director was going to be was interested in before they hired him. Right. So it didn't almost didn't matter that he recused <laughs> himself from the coaching aspect of it. So it, it's – it's and it's it's tough, and, we you know, the, the, the coach is in, and it's not the – Exciting move, a lot of people want, and it's not Tata Martino, and and it's not you know variety of other guys, but um, but I think it's a guy that that has the ability to do well and has the ability to do do some good things. It's and it's just it's this talent crunch now. Is this player pool ready to qualify for the World Cup? And I think that's a big question mark right now. Oh, I, I mean, I, th- I have to think the answer to that question is always yes, though, because mm-hmm. just the sheer size of our country and the, the, the quality that lives within our program mm-hmm. should be better than El Salvador, Honduras, Trinidad and Tobago and Panama. It should be. I, I absolutely agree with you. Even, even with an inexperienced group, even with a group of guys that doesn't have a lot of caps within them, they sh- 
it, 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 and it just has to happen. They, yeah. they have to to get that done. I think with with Burhalter, I mean, you have four years until the World Cup yeah. now, too, essentially three and a half. Right. So I, I think does does he have a short leash too? Does you know is is there gonna is there if if the results don't improve over the next year, is that it? I don't know. And whose call is that? Is that Ernie's call? Is that Carlos Cardano's? I mean, who controls Ernie? I mean, what do we know about Ernie? He's his own man. Yeah. He does things the way Ernie wants to do them. And he's going to do them like that no matter what the media says, no matter what anybody says. And if he's 100% behind Greg Berhalter, no matter if the house is burning down around him or not, you know, he, 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 to, and, he backed Jim Curtin here to the nth degree for a long time when people were calling for his head, when fans were booing him and the results weren't there. And he, he backed him 1,000%. Now it's a different situation. It's, it's Ernie's bent was much more on player development. That would, that's what his more, more than just about anything. His goal was to develop these guys and get the academy rolling. So, you know, he was, that was his, seemed to be his focus more than anything when he was here. So maybe the coach kind of doing what he's doing wasn't that important to him. Different situation. Different. Um, all right. Let, uh, so we shift some gears to our home team, the Philadelphia Union. Yeah. The Ernie Stewart Free Philadelphia Union, because we have a man named Ernst Tanner in charge of things. And, um, He's retaining Jim Curtin, which we, you know, this, you know, this news has been out for a little while, but uh, we haven't been on for a little while, so it's worth talking about. Uh, he is retaining Jim Curtin uh, for one year. He's a lot of things. He's loosening the tactical leash, which was brought down on high from Ernie. He's focused in a different way, focused on results. First and foremost, which is again different than we've been experiencing the last couple of years, where the focus was on development. And Ernst comes is a development guy. I mean, he's an academy guy, and we, we, you know, that's his resume, and we knew that. But you know, he sees the academy as a means, not an end. Amen. <laughs> everything. Um, I, I think the the you know the Jim Curtin thing. I think is is safe. Um, yeah. You know that's always the question when you fire the manager. You you let the manager go. Um, is is there a better person available to mm-hmm. take over? Maybe there is. Um, you know what you have in Jim. Um, I th- I think it's it's interesting to me that you know a lot of people look at Jim Curtin and they think four two three one for the last couple of seasons, and then they they look above that and they say, well, that was the the missive from. Mm-hmm. Ernie Stewart, and now you've had a press conference with Ernst Tanner where he talks about how the team became a little bit predictable to play against. Amazingly predictable. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Um, and that the the tactics need to be more flexible and that he can count on Jim to, to implement those tactics. <laughs> is Jim Curtin getting a bit of a reputation as a guy that is malleable in that way where the sporting director gets to decide – the formation and 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 has more ideas on the tactics than like the coach normally would have. So maybe the flip side to that is that on Ernie, he was, and where Tanner's more like, 
you're the guy, you're the game day guy. You got to figure out how to win. If that means you're playing another striker, then you're playing another striker. And if that means, you know, you maybe you're playing three at the back, then you're playing three at the back. If it means, you know, any one of these things, that's what you need to do to win, then fine. Which that's kind of how I interpret it that under Ernie, it was, we're, you know, coming from the Dutch mindset, the U12s play 4 2 3 1. We play 4 2 3 1. The whole. The whole organization plays that. Where now it's like, no, you're the, you're the senior club. You got to go out there. You're playing. You're competing in a top league. You got to figure out how to win day in and day out. So figure it out. Yeah. And I, I think that's more what's going on. And you can make the point. Yeah, I mean, Jim's a younger coach. Uh, you know, he he probably didn't have. I mean, his reputation is growing, and I think he's very popular in the league. That's something we've found out, I think, when there's some murmurs, is he staying, is he going? And I think the groundswell from outside of Philadelphia was Jim should stay. Jim's a good guy. We like, you know, Jim's a popular guy amongst other coaches in the league and all that. Um, But, you know, he was a younger coach, and, and, you know, Ernie's a big personality, and Ernie laid something down, and it was like, this is how we're doing it, and how you doing it? I mean, your boss tells you what to do. You're doing it. I, I think Ernst has a different mindset on how to do it. It seems to me anyway. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting this year. I think you can look back at last year and you can say that, that Jim Curtin improved last year over the two years before the mm-hmm. team, the team played better soccer. They, they, they had more wins. Um, so I, I think the one-year contract allows you to have Jim in this position, but also jettison him if if mm-hmm. you need to. If if the season's not going well, if if the team is doing poorly, and you get to June, you right. have a chance to replace the guy, and you're 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 not out a bunch of cash. And, and what what do we you know said to uh, about Jim? Well, let's wait till he gets a transfer window and get some guys in here and some guys to really help him out. Or let's wait. You know, till the team spends a little money or does something, and that just never happened. I mean, he went through two midseason windows where no reinforcements came, when you know they were just sort of the playoffs in one year, and the next year they just made it over the line into the playoffs, and no, not no meaningful signings happened. Mid, you know, really midseason, where Ernst seems like a guy he's being he's going to be proactive. I mean, that's that's pretty much he's laid out. So, so that's. That's going to be the real test. You know, if we we're, are we going to finally get to see what does Jim do when he has a sporting director that's going to give him, you know, the reinforcements he needs, gives him the the horses he he really needs. Yeah, and we don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. It, it yeah. feel it feels like Ernst has a has a, a good understanding of what he's interested in finding in players and 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 which players he's he's interested in keeping that are on the current roster. Um, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a, a huge injection of cash from Jay Sugarman as we've you know learned to expect to over nine not, years. You have to assume not, but <laughs> um, there are some rumors swirling about. You know, we don't usually delve into the rumor territory, but it seems like yeah. But there's only like 13 guys on the roster, so we might as well. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of a lot of smoke right now that um, Union are could be shopping or interested in moving either one or both of David Akam and CJ Sapong to FC Cincinnati, a new team coming into the league uh, for the 2019 season. I won't be sad. Um, we we had a post on Philly Soccer page at the end of the season where one of the it was a roundtable post and one of the questions was 
an unexpected move that you you might make if you were the sporting director. And my answer to that question was trade CJ Spong. I think he's one of the the players on the team that has a little bit of equity. He's a known quantity in the league. Um, he had a, a career year two years ago um, and an off year last year. But I think you you know what you get from him. Um, he's a guy that can play a couple of different positions. Um, so, I, and I also think this, the the season two seasons ago was the ceiling. I don't think you're going to get another season like that from CJ mm-hmm. Sapong. Um, you can be hopeful that you might, and Cincinnati might be hopeful that they might. I say let it happen. Um, David Akam, who knows? Uh, you know, I think after last year, I don't think anybody in the Philadelphia Union fan base will be too sad to see him go. He had such a little contribution last year outside of one spectacular game-winning goal in Chicago. Um, you know, it came out late in the year that he played with a sports hernia for, for some time and mm-hmm. quite possibly the whole year. I don't know. It you know it doesn't it don't it almost doesn't seem like you're losing anything from Philadelphia Union's perspective besides all the money they spent to get him right I mean that's, that's which, the thing. which who cares if this, that was Tam or that, that was that was, you know, that was Garber bucks so yeah. okay move and do those get replenished uh, I think there's certain ways they do I think you get certain more money that comes in each year and and for I think if you hit certain things you get you know certain things you you get more uh, cat you know you get more cash pumped into it but. Yeah, I, I mean, David Akam was was incredibly frustrating because he was supposed to be the big kind of domestic signing, internal move that you made and helped the team, and you know he had the. It speed. seemed like a good signing. I mean, I don't want to you know take anything away from the idea behind it when right. it happened because it. I think you know even us and you know as jaded as we may be sometimes looked at that signing and yeah. said, well, this this looks like it makes a lot of sense, and I, right. I think and, he'll do really well here. Right. And, and it, it just it didn't work out that way. Blew up completely. Yeah, <laughs> and. And if you can get out from under the, the, those contracts, uh, so I, I, I don't think CJ makes his CJ makes a pretty healthy amount, but I know a com I think is around a million dollars, and you could get rid of that, clear yeah. that off your books. Those two players, then I think you you really have to think about doing it. Yeah, and, and especially if you're changing how you play, you want to be more up tempo, more more pressing team. CJ's not an up tempo player. Um, a com could be because he's got the speed, but I mean, he showed again, you know, yeah, just not a lot of will. Last yeah, year. there wasn't wasn't much going on there. So if you're cha- if you want to be more that that Red Bulls pressing thing that Tanner wants to bring, then yeah, you're gonna need the guys that can do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's it's interesting. The other name that's gotten thrown around with those two as a as a guy that could possibly be be jettisoned in some way is Harris Madunian, mm-hmm. um, who. You know, if you if you're talking about that that kind of style of play, and we're not exactly sure what what Ernst is after now, um, I don't think that Harris is a guy that fits into that system, no matter what position you play him in as a, a six eight or a ten. No, and Harris is a guy we all love, and he's contributed yeah. a lot to the team. Yes. And it, but uh, you know, I, I, and they've they've done this so many times with with veteran players, or they overplay them, and you get to the point in the season where you really really need them, and they're they're there's nothing left in the tank, and he was just so leggy at the end of his play, and yeah. at the end of the year and in the playoff game, and never a great defender. He was just just didn't contribute at all in defense, and just really didn't have the mobility that you kind of needed. Um, yeah, it, you know he's he's a thirty five year old guy. You know if you can move on from that, you, I think you do because you have the beginnings of your young uh, 
midfield now with with Fontana and Jones. You, you got to hope Jones starts developing a little more. But you know, you have him on the roster and. And the the other kid's name I always forget. Aronson. Aronson. Yeah. You know, uh, no, I, I, you, yeah, know, I, you you have the makings of that, and Aronson. I think they're very high on Aronson. They're very high on Aronson, and, and you know he's going to be probably he could be the ten of the future for you and be that creative. Well, I, I mean, I won't be surprised if he's the the ten of the right now. Yeah. It, it, from indications coming out of the, the union camp, it, it seems they are very high on him and, yeah. and that he could play into the, the season this year. I think it'll be interesting what happens with guys like Fontana and Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Derek Jones has had two years with the senior team to, to really claim yeah. a starting spot, has not done it, um, has fallen out of favor with the coach at least once yeah. t- towards the end of uh, the 2016 season. Um, so I, I mean, I think it, it's, it's gotta be up to that, the player at this point to, to really to prove yeah, that. It's a, no, at some point it is at some point, you know, the player has to take responsibility for what goes on. Yeah. I mean, and I, I have I understand the, the fans frustration with Jones because you, you see a guy in Harris that's playing slightly out of position mm-hmm. and that did falter towards the end of the season and, and didn't have as an impactful season as he did the, the season before. But I mean, I haven't also seen enough out of Jones to say like he's he's ready to take on that yeah. role either. And it was it was tough to. I was hoping to see Fontana more on the field last year. I think we all were, and he had such a good start in that first game and got the goal. Yeah, and looked pretty comfortable out there and just didn't, didn't yeah, you know, just wasn't picked much. And I, and I think just remember Jim saying that everybody feels like he's a natural more in a deep lying spot more than the higher playmaker more than the 10 and with you know as well Boric played last year and you know kind of in that eight spot is 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 your captain so he's you know he's not gonna get time there and you know you, you don't want to maybe overload the younger player with all the defensive responsibilities of six so I mean if you think of it in those terms yeah it makes sense but still I mean I think there were spots where he could have come out and, and played some more again to spell a guy like Harris yeah who, who and again, what does that say about the player when there was a couple of opportunities to insert him and they, they didn't? Yeah. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene. Every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Olandini. What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They, they don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You know, another name that's out there for a player coming in, uh, it's been rumored out of Chile, uh, Sergio Santos. Yeah. Not a guy I know a ton about, not no, a lot of you. Kind of was doing some research on him a couple, a couple nights ago when the names started getting banded about. Uh, Brazilian? Brazilian. Uh, plays, for, plays in Chile in the top division for... Uh, Ox Italiano. Okay. I'll take a shot and say yeah. it's the name of the team. I'm sure somebody out there will correct me on Twitter or something eventually. Thank you. Um, but, and I preface this, like I said before, <laughs> before we went to start recording that, you know, I watch them on YouTube, but, you know, Jay Simpson looked good on Everybody YouTube. Everybody has a, a good YouTube Everybody video. has a great sizzle reel out there, you know. <laughs> um, but, but you can glean some things in, from that. And he's a guy, he, he looks like a crafty guy, yeah. good skill on the ball. Uh, not not a big guy, solidly built, but not like a big tall guy. Really, doesn't seem like. Um, and, you know, his team in Chile plays him out wide a lot, wide left. But 
they're talking about him more as a striker. Uh, is a guy who looks like he likes to be in the box, likes to be around the goal. Yeah. And would be a crafty striker, which this team's never really had. Yeah, at least not in a while. Um, yeah. You know, I think with the, the two strikers that, not counting Jay Simpson and the group really, uh, that you had last year and Corey Burke and Sejay Sapong, they're they're definitely more of the, the bull in the China shop yeah. type strikers yeah. of, of being more power forwardy. Um so I think, you know, that, that's something that I've been craving for for the union team is 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 a crafty guy, a guy that can mm-hmm. run in behind, a guy that's gonna be clever on the ball, a guy that can pop up in the box at the right time and, and get a rebound goal. That, that, yeah. that those guys haven't been around. And if if he's a guy that can play wide and you you talked about maybe seeing Fafa up top that he can guy that can you could play those two out there, and they could rotate in, inside and out. Yeah, like you know, which you can make defensive guess a little bit. Okay, who's going to be wide? Who's going to be the guy on top? And they can kind of move move around like that. It gives you some more options, some more flexibility. I mean, you know, that's what we've been talking about. You want flexibility, and this you know looks like a player that can be can be flexible. Now, this is not a done deal. A lot of stuff is coming out of Chilean media, uh, and I think MLS. Picked it up again more from reports out of out of Chile and all that. One report saying that you know, Argentina was down there again. Can't confirm that, but that's what we're hearing. Uh, so it's curious. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a curious name. It's, you know, it's good to see a name bandied about this early. It is, which which never happens. Yeah, I don't. Th- we didn't get Boric's name until well after New Year's last right, year. Right, so, right. And uh, I mean, to go back to that, it's it's a shame that we won't see Boric. Josh Kell. It, no, it doesn't seem like at least it, it doesn't. And you know, I, mean, I, I think everybody kind of thought that it was just the difficulties working with the Chinese team. And now I think he wants to go back. I think he's he's starting to figure again in, in the Czech team. So yeah. he probably wants to go back to the Czech league, and, and, and you know. So he doesn't have to do all that traveling like he did the, a couple times to, yeah. to, play, to play for the Czech League, to play for the Czech national team and all that. It was tough, and he played so well and he contributed, did. and he was a really enjoyable guy to watch. Yeah. But, you know, he's got to compete at every game. And yeah, once I, I, he got his legs under him, I mean, he he really just kind of took the league on. And a, and a class guy, it seemed like, too. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we obviously – to talk to him a little bit in the locker room and and he seemed well liked by the guys he he certainly carried himself with the the true yeah. professionalism um and that's that's the thing i worry about too you know you you, you seem like you're going to lose boric um if if you're talking about maybe letting harris move on or or having not him not factor in you're you're getting low on locker room experience yeah and, and i don't and, know if the, i don't i mean there's certainly ways to to compete with young teams and and i think yeah. some of those guys are well beyond their age particularly mark mckenzie and austin trusty oh absolutely i mean that, that that could be the thing you know you know you create that vacuum but you can fill that vacuum and, and guys yeah. you know who's to say that those two guys can't grow into being leaders even though they're younger guys but they get done with their play and they've earned the respect of the other guys in the locker room because yeah. of how well they've played so who's to say they can't those two guys can't emerge as, you know, some leadership guys on yeah. your team. I mean, you know, uh, Ali's the captain, and he's he's a heck of a leader, and he's a guy to, that brings it every game. But, you know, you, you need a couple guys. You know, it's not just one guy. You need a couple guys that kind of to, to, to be those those locker room guys, those leadership guys. Um, before we wrap up, got a few questions I want to get to from the Twitters. Um, Richard Saunders, who's a, a, a big-time listener, always kind of contributes and checks us out, wants to know – uh, since we're not getting Mario Balotelli, unfortunately, are we not? 
Uh, who knows? Uh, <laughs> Doesn't but seem the, like it. That would have been awesome, though. That would have been fun. Uh, uh, he throws out another name that a lot of soccer fans know, Chicharito. Yeah, uh, you know, playing at West Ham, scored a brace on the weekend. Still, yeah. uh, you know, I think he's been rumored to come over to MLS a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd be a nice fit here. He would be a nice fit. I think the difficulty, as always with Ian, is they don't have that petty cash to, for, for transfer. Right. Uh, I don't know what his contract is. At, I'm not, I'm at not sure if somebody could clarify it might that. Be, it might be a one year. I think he might might be out of contract. It, it very well but, could be. Um, and he could be, you know. He's I, also I, a guy I, that's on high wages. Yeah, uh, that's the so other thing. So I think I mean, that's, that's the, the, the. He's he's going to demand. You know, so, he, he would instantly be your highest paid player by yeah. by a good by a good length. Yeah. I think it would be an interesting signing. I think, you know, a guy maybe getting a little on, but uh, yeah. I still think he could bang in goals at this level. Uh, he's mm-hmm, for sure. still performing pretty well, right. and he can play kind of a, a couple of different styles up and front. Again, and he could be the crafty. Again, he's a craftier guy, yeah. and which which I think they just, looking at this guy Santos are talking about, could be you know the way they want to go up the top. Yeah, uh, and, and I think he could be a nice bridge to the, the Mexican community, too. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, my, my which, God. Which they have not made They're, many bridges to. They need to make that bridge. Um. <laughs> uh, Richard again, just real quick. He uh, kind of depressingly, which expan- which expansion team finishes higher than the Union next year? <laughs> it's uh, terrible. Um, yeah, I'm not going to ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're, have... tra- we're trying to be positive. Here, I don't. So. I don't think either of them will. No. Um, you know, I think LA will continue to finish higher. And kind of paraphrasing this next question, I mean, where, where do they think they go for free agency? They go domestic or? Or international, um, I, I think they go to where the best players are. I, I think they can find the best fit. Yeah, it's I mean, internal. I, I'd yeah. still love to see the union tap into the the MLS domestic market and get yeah. some of those known quantity type players that have performed in this league because yeah. it it can be, uh, it can take players time to to sort themselves out when they get here because it's a different style. Even than you know some really good players have yeah. taken time. Guys like Tim Cahill took a while. To, yeah to catch on when he came to New York and, and you know, it, it takes a little bit of time sometimes. Uh, another question, this isn't really a question, but this is more of a comment that, you know, this is from bad hombre. Uh, DC United gets with a cost and a sod and RSL, La Plata, Rusnik and, uh, Red Bulls would, uh, Royer and Kaku. They, all these guys have lower salaries and Sapong and a calm, but they've performed a lot better. You know, if we clear out the salary, you know how how do you you have this money now free up? How do you use it? It's, it's well, yeah, I'm I'm interested in that myself. Yeah. Uh, you I know, mean, we've, I, we've I, not had a full transfer window with Ernst available. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot over the next couple of months how Ernst Tanner does business um, and, and what he's interested in in players and styles of players. Yeah, I think um, priority one, two, and three striker. Yeah, I I think I you know I've said this a lot that the your solution for strikers not on your roster currently. Yeah, I mean I, I I said this for a long time and I stand by this that if you're spending designated player money, it has to be on nines and tens. Yeah, you know I I don't see how you spend designated player money on eights and sixes mm-hmm. until you have nines and tens on the roster and, that and, are that caliber. And that's the thing you'll get your defense, you'll get your midfield now. You have a mix of young guys and veterans yeah. that you can move in there. You look at your striker situation, you have CJ Sapong coming off another kind of disappointing year, and Corey Burke, who who was a nice story and, you know, really pushed on and 
fought for a spot and scored some nice goals and did all that, but long term, you don't feel like he's the guy. No, I don't. So, so don't. you know, you're set in other positions. You have the young defense that you're building. You have your midfield that, you know, you it's not quite at the level of your young defense, but you have young guys that can push for jobs and probably will end up on the field this year. You, you can't say that about Stryker, and there's no, nobody else really in the They have the young, uh, younger guy with Bethlehem, uh, whose name's escaped me by another high on that they, they brought in kind of thing middle of the year. Oh, uh um, yes, I know who's talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, but also... I, I know they like him. But you got to think he's a year or two yeah, away. You know, he's, he's not quite there yet. Um, so you, you really, if you have the money, you have the opportunity. You, that's where you got to spend, and that's where you yeah. got to acquire. Uh, I also think they still need a left back. Um, I don't know if Matt Real is ready next year. I don't uh, know either. I, 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 you know, I'm willing to just get it on if they don't sign one though. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I, I, Ray I think, Gattis is out of contract. I, uh, I think he had. Fabinho, I think, has played his best soccer and is, is not, not going to feature anymore. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, he, uh, Matt Real just scuffled in training camp a little bit. I think has some injuries and things. But yeah. he got calls up to the national yeah, team. Yeah, captain of the U20s recently. Right, he, he was a, he got to the youth national team, so he was able to feature for them. So you got to think, you know, things are going to be okay with him. It's just, you know, bad circumstances happen and they happen to every player. Um, yeah, I think, and it's going to be interesting what the the, the defensive formation is. You know, I, I know mm-hmm. Matt DeGeorge is obsessed playing three at the back. I, I think it's a, it's a tempting idea. It, it uh, it's, it's, a, it's a popular idea. formation around the world right now. I think you have three really strong center backs that that might be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I don't know how that that impacts what you're thinking on the wing positions. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. And uh, I don't think we can answer that tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we um, can spend a whole podcast on that. So, prediction uh, for the MLS uh, final, uh, MLS Cup final. I mean, like we said with Jeff, I mean, it's really hard to bet against Atlanta at home. They're going to pack that place with, you know, 65,000 yeah. Atlanta fans. Um, they, they've been the best, one of the best teams in the league all year. Um, Portland, certainly no slouches, though. I've played very well in the playoffs, played very well down the stretch. and uh, But, uh, you know, I, I can't. I can't see it. I, I you know, you, you think they give Tata the send off he deserves. Yeah. You know, and they, they and they're playing it. It was in Portland, you know, I I, I say I give him fifty fifty, but Yeah, in Atlanta it's hard. It's so hard and then if they if they you know, they get to go early, that's ball game. That could be the ball game. Because yeah. they'll 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 just smother you then. Then yeah. you're just done. I mean if Portland could do what they did to KC though, and and, and and like Jeff said, they they took their chances when they came. Right. And, Including that last goal. Oh man, that was a tasty. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, you know they take those chances. Any, you know, it's soccer. Everybody, right, everybody right, has yeah. a chance. So, any given you know, Saturday, but. I'm I'm hoping for for a quality match. Really, That's, I don't yeah, I don't have a, a real rooting and interest I think between those two teams. I think you'll get it because you know Atlanta's Atlanta, and they're just it's just amazing what goes on down yeah. there. And and Portland's a team that can rise to an occasion and. They may not win, but they'll put in a performance. I yeah, think. I think and you want to talk least... about an exciting U.S. soccer coach too in Portland, Giovanni Cervisi. Yeah, who, yeah, who was successful coaching in, in New York with the Cosmos, and now has been very successful in one year in, mm-hmm. M- in MLS, taking a team to MLS Cup final. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, that's real. I think that's a real positive. Yeah, you know, Portland was floundering a little bit for a couple of years, and he just reinvigorated them. Yeah, and and kind of put them back to kind of where they were. So it's almost, I, you know, you don't even remember that Caleb Porter was that coach. Yeah, yeah. and he uh, he might up in uh, Columbus. Yeah, that, I didn't hear that. Uh, I think he, I think he's one of the names getting kicked yeah. around, and Bruce Arena is actually getting kicked around for GM. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and 
you know, it sounds like Columbus is going to be Columbus. Austin might get a team in, in a different form, but it doesn't sound yeah. like they're moving. So that's that's good, good for the Columbus guys, and yeah. all the Columbus fans. Uh, so I think we'll wrap it up on that. Wait, you don't want to talk about the Arsenal a little bit? Oh my god. <laughs> You just you were just waiting for me to bring uh, it up. It's, it's, been, it's been a good week for the it's, Arsenal. It's good to be a Gooner right now. It's really good to be. Yeah, a Yeah, it's exciting. And it's exciting, and they're getting results, and they're doing it with style, and just you know, Lacazette and Aubameyang up top are just looks are amazing, and they've sorted out. You know, they got the the holding midfielder they've needed for six, seven years, and it, they've they've you know Leno's coming into his own as a keeper. I mean, it's still a little scary sometimes some of the stuff he does, but. Yeah, you know, and I still think defensively they're a work in progress. Yeah. They're not as solid as you want them to be, but but when you have that attack, yeah, you're in every game. Yeah, for sure. I, I think they've been a lot of fun for for me to watch. I mean, as a neutral, mm-hmm. I, I'll put on Arsenal when they're on. And, and Emery's fearless. And Emery said, you know, I loved him going for it at Old Trafford yesterday. Yeah, he goes for it at Old Trafford, and he's fearless in that way, and he knows how to handle guys. I mean, Mesutozil, you're, you know, we're it's going to be a street fight with Spurs. You're not up for that. Yep. You're going to sit. He's got the courage to tell one of his better players for the kind of game we need to play against Spurs. Yeah, I don't need you for this yeah. because it's it's going to be a fight. And yeah, when you play Burnley in a couple of weeks and you're going to have the ball the whole game, right? Exactly, and that's a, yeah. And you know, I'm going to use a phrase that uh, Adam Kahn uses a lot: of certain players make you play a certain way, and, and Ozil makes you play a certain way because because yeah. he's you know he wants to put his foot on the ball, he needs the space to operate and. All that, and you have so many guys now that are aggressive, that are runners, that are you know want to go into open space, and they want to you know just be just get get the bit in their teeth and go to go to goal. And you have so many of those guys now that he doesn't always fit. And it, 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 the thing is breaking my heart because he's playing some really good soccer right now. It's like just probably gonna let Ramsey walk. Yeah, and, and it's tough. And I'm not not. He's- you know, I, th- I think the thing, but always that I always think with Ramsey is that he is capable of playing very good soccer. Yeah. He does it inconsistently, yeah. Um, and he sometimes doesn't do it at the level that Arsenal has done it for for a long time. Yeah, he can. No, yeah, but he, he doesn't always. He has. He always has the potential to do it, and he just he's, you know. And I think the argument okay, was that Wilshere's a Ramsey as well. And I think you know it, it, it showed the last couple of years that was Ramsey, and Ramsey can. He would show up in in bigger games and things like that, but yeah, no, I, I don't. It's gonna it, it's gonna be tough without him. Tough to see him go, yeah. but you don't lack for guys now. No, so that's exciting. Yeah, and you know, writing's out of the uh, out of the drop in the championship. Oh God, I don't. I hardly want to talk. About it. The, <laughs> the only relevant thing about writing that we can say is that they fired Paul Clement this morning, and that it's got to get better from here. <laughs> All right, I think <laughs> that's there. That's, that's, that's our fanboy talk for the for yeah. the pod. So uh, we have a podcast. We get to talk yeah, about our favorite teams. We, we, exactly. We both uh, we're both picking Atlanta to win the uh, the open cup. Uh, the open cup to, to pick the MLS <laughs> to win the MLS cup. Uh, let's, let's not speak of the open cup ever. <laughs> so I think we'll wrap it up on that one. I think Jeff Carlisle always, always a good. pleasure. Always good. always great to talk to Jeff. Yeah. He, he just like I say, he just serves it up so good for us, and we always appreciate. It. He's always very generous with his time. He's he's a busy man. He's he's down in Atlanta right now. He's you know covering covering the final, and you know he's he's uh, but he always you know, always kind of try finds time for us to, to jump on with us and, and give us some good insight. So we always appreciate that, and you know we'll be back kind of you know. Yeah, you know, the, the off season officially starts on Sunday. Yeah, um, so, hopefully we'll have some player signings yeah, to talk about I, the next time we get together. Yeah, I, I, as the union makes news, we will be back and we'll do you know 
And before now, it's, it's draft time. We'll have our, you know, we'll have yeah. our draft talk and, uh, and all that. So let's, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and we'll catch you soon.